Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Humanly podcast. My name is Daniel Reuters, and today I'm joined by Dr. Christiane Northrup. Christiane Northrup is an MD, and she's a visionary pioneer in women's health. She's a board-certified OBGYN with more than 30 years of clinical experience. She's a former assistant clinical professor of OBGYN at the University of Vermont College of Medicine. She's a three-time New York Times best-selling author of her books, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, The Wisdom of Menopause, and Goddesses Never Age. In 2013, Reader's Digest named Dr. Northrup one of the 100 most trusted people in America. In 2016, she was named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100 a group of leaders who are using their voices and talent to awaken humanity. And in 2020, she was included in the Watkins Spiritual 100, a list of living people that make a unique and spiritual contribution on a global scale. She's internationally known for her empowering approach. Dr. Northrup embraces medicine that acknowledges the unity of the mind, body, emotions, and spirit and teaches women to create health by tuning into their inner wisdom. After decades spent transforming women's understanding of their sacred bodies and processes, Dr. Northrup now teaches women to thrive at every stage of life. As a business owner, physician, former surgeon, mother, writer, speaker, and according to Miriam Aver, PhD, a rebel rock star and authority on what can go right with the female body. Dr. Northrup acknowledges our individual and collective capacity for growth, freedom, joy, and balance. Dr. Northrup has also hosted eight highly successful public television specials, and her work has been featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Today Show, NBC Nightly News, The View, Rachel Ray, Good Good Morning America, 2020, The Dr. Oz Show, and now humanly podcast <laughs> so just <laughs> just moving up and up dr northrop thank you and now the pinnacle of the <laughs> the pinnacle all all that hard work and and now it's all um finally paying off for you right. thank you thank you so much for being here dr northrop it, it's an incredible um honor and privilege to have someone such as yourself so highly educated and well respected in the medical field Um, thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure because anyone like you right on the front lines of this uh, deserves enormous honor and respect at this time on the great awakening and the ascension of planet Earth. Out of the darkness into the light. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better myself. Um, Dr. Northrup, one of the reasons why Um, Well, I've been following your work pretty closely um, this year in 2020, but one of the reasons my ears originally pricked up was I was listening to a podcast um, on YouTube 
And you mentioned uh, amongst many amazing pieces of information, um, the terrain theory. And I thought, well, that's really interesting that a medical doctor should be talking about terrain theory. So do you want to talk a little bit more about what your understanding of the terrain theory is and why you think it's important? Yes. Let me first say that the way in which we are brought up, you know, the way a child is fed, the way a child is taught about the world, directly and rather profoundly affects the immune system. So I like to say community equals immunity. And when we are brought up to be one with our environment, when we are taught, let me just give you an example from my own life. When we would drop food on the ground, my father would say, you can eat that. Just let the earth pass through you and then you will be immune to everything. And way, way back in the 50s, he had my mother make yogurt, which nobody could buy commercially, in order to take that to his patients, he was a dentist, who were on antibiotics. And so I I learned long ago and was brought up with the idea that one did not need to be afraid of germs. And we now know because of all of the wonderful resurgence of regenerative agriculture, as put forth so poetically by Dr. Zach Bush, we now know that when the soil is healthy, then the plants are healthy, and those of us who eat them are healthy. And when we do something like what was done right after World War II, they had a whole lot of um, Uh, nitrate substances that were used for making bombs, and they didn't know what to do with it. And they began to make fertilizer, because if you put this fertilizer on a field, the plants would grow uh, very quickly. But, but, and we've only learned that now, the microbiome, the, uh, the microorganisms that support life would be killed. And so after World War II, we began an entire process of health through killing. Antibiotics were the miracle drugs, the wonder drugs. Our family doctor would come up in his big black car, and if one of us was sick, he would give that kid a shot of penicillin, and then he'd line the rest of us up to have a shot of penicillin. We, we got onto that quick and we just went to hide in the barn whenever we saw his car. And so we, we began this sort of anti-life approach instead of looking at what is it, as, as Antoine Beauchamp, who was the chief uh, questioner of Louis Pasteur, Beauchamp said, it is not the germ, it is the terrain. It is the environment. So for instance, I I can tell you from studies that I did back when I was an OBGYN resident where we would have people come in with chronic pelvic pain, we would often do a a swab in the cul-de-sac. That's the place in their body behind the uterus. And you could find anything growing there, clostridia, uh, sometimes gonorrhea, strep, anything. And it did not cause disease until something else was out of balance. And so what we began to do with this sort of antibiotic 
anti-life approach to medicine. Like we've got to kill the germs and hospitals became fortresses against germs. Uh, Just like now we're being told you must wear a mask. You must wash down every surface with an antiseptic. You must use hand sanitizer. It's sort of the natural extension of this war on germs. And, uh, you know, so what happened then is with all these antibiotics, newer and newer and newer, we began, because nature does this, to develop strains of bacteria that could get around the antibiotic. And we have now entered the era of super bugs, they're called. You know, there's a film, Jurassic Park, where Jeff Goldblum's character says, nature always finds a way, right after the guy says to him, oh, don't worry, all the dinosaurs are female. They can't reproduce. And, you know, then you you hear the boom and you see the ripples on the puddle because there's... I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some big thing out there. Nature always finds a way. So here's the thing. The beauty of nature is that it keeps evolving life. And I remember listening to Zach Bush speak so eloquently right after this COVID thing came out. And he talked about Wuhan being uh, the most polluted air, polluted water, polluted soil, polluted food on the planet. And he said, so any virus that comes out of there is going to have evolutionary codes. I can't wait to see what happens after that. Because literally when you try so hard to kill life, life itself will become it will it will overcome that just like we see on mount st helens now after that volcano blew and all that wonderful minerals came from the center of the earth now mount st helens and that whole area that was just destitute after the volcano is now coming back to life and is very very lush now that doesn't mean if we continue with what we're doing, that humanity will survive, but life on planet Earth will survive. And But if we, there's a, there's a documentary out right now that's worth seeing. It's on Netflix and it's called Kiss the Ground. And I was astounded to see it, but it was an example for me of, oh yes, nature always finds a way. So we are through Netflix bringing into the collective consciousness a documentary Uh, narrated by Woody Harrelson about regenerative agriculture and regenerating the soil. And here's what's so exciting. It doesn't take very long. So they have all these farmers who are, you know, have the undulant creatures, the cows and the buffalo, just on small sections to regenerate the microbiome of of those plants. There's also a wonderful documentary called I think it's called 100,000 Beating Hearts or 10,000 Beating Hearts. It's worth seeing. And it's a, uh, it was a conventional hog farmer in Georgia who remembers being a little boy when the fertilizer companies came in to sell his father on fertilizer. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of Monsanto and DDT and pesticides and all of that. And he decided to reverse that 
and began to go back to organic farming, began to have, uh, you know, chickens and cows and all that on the right kind of soil. And he's completely rejuvenated his entire town. It's, it's the most wonderful story about when a farmer becomes a true husband of the land. You know that term, animal husbandry. And mm-hmm. when, uh, when a farmer really does that, by the way, in the U.S. right now, 50% of organic farmers are women. <laughs> so women wow. kind of understand about, about life, you know, and, and nurturing life. And I think that we're, I would say, we're at the end point of the antibiotic era, the vaccine era, the we have to kill it. Most of conventional medicine is nothing but war metaphors. You know, the cancer treatments are radiation, chemotherapy. It's it's cut, bur- uh, burn, poison. That's really the approach to the human body instead of how do we, through regenerative ideas, um, regenerative modalities, how do we support this biologic being to function optimally? And that's what is coming on planet Earth. So we're, this is like the last gasp of the old order. You know, it's, it's like before a dinosaur dies, it like flits its tail everywhere, causes as much nothing <laughs> as it possibly can before it takes its death rattle last breath. And I honestly see it that way, that what we're at the end of here is World War III, no question about it in my mind. The censorship of medical information, the kind of information that I have been getting out to the public for 40 years, uh, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, getting out in the sun. One of the premier uh, vitamin D researchers, Michael Hollick from Boston University, way back almost lost his his professorship because uh, I think it was a dermatology professor was so enraged that he was suggesting that some sunlight was healthy for the human I mean, think incredible. You know, we're taught to be afraid of the sun. Oh, you're going to get melanoma. Uh, we're taught to be afraid of dirt. Oh, you're going to get parasites. Are you going to? We're just taught to be afraid, 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 afraid of nature. So we have, instead of embracing the fact that we are nature, we have set everything up as a fortress against nature, and. Nature will win. Nature always wins. And I think now, I don't know if you saw if you saw one of those YouTubes I did with Polly Toomey, who was the producer of Vaxxed. And so we did one on the on the COVID vaccine. And she said, she said, you know, I really think taking this vaccination is is suicide. I, I don't see how you can get around it. And you know, if we look at the flu vaccine. And we look at pathogenic priming from the flu vaccine that, yes, it may protect you from whatever strain of flu they, they sort of figured out it was. And they're always, as you know, they're always about 60, 70% wrong every year, but it, it'll protect you against that. But it will make you 4.4 times more likely to get something else. 
And wow. all these studies are in the medical literature. Uh, they're they're all they're all there. Although they're, they're again they're being censored, you know, by anti anti life forces. Um, at the very beginning of this whole pandemic, I posted something from Andrew Saul, who is one of the pr- primary vitamin C researchers in the world. And uh, it was very interesting. Someone said to him, well, if you're sending all these tons of vitamin C to China and it's working and you're giving this stuff IV and it's working, why doesn't everyone know? He looked right in the camera and said a word that begins with S, which we are not going to say because I don't want you to get this thing censored immediately. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> an S and, and ends with an N. <laughs> oh, I wonder what that is. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So I just see that we are in this great time of humanity, remembering who we are, that we are connected with the earth, we're connected with the soil, but we're also connected with the stars and with the cosmos, and we are meant to be connected with each other. So if we look at the, what's the first thing that uh, I would call them the controllers or the dark forces did? Separate us from each other, isolate people. There's apparently a I, I'm going to get the name wrong, but Breedenberg or some some steps to torture, and the and this is from Amnesty International. And the first thing they do to torture people is isolate them, and then you shame them, and then you make them so tired, you know, that they can't organize or do anything, and you know, and on and on it goes. So this whole thing has not been about it it has been about a virus and you know we could make a case that it came out of wuhan and it was a gain of function kind of a situation but at at this point you may know this uh, i think the world health organization and the national health service in the uk downgraded this thing to no more than the flu at the end of march i saw that i remember seeing that and i thought it was over then yes we all did and then they started in because by then, you see, the mainstream media had used the tactic that works so well, which is you scare people to death. And when you scare them to death, what happens is, and you know this in your practice, they go into fight or flight. The sympathetic nervous system is in overdrive. So you're producing uh, excess cortisol and epinephrine, which drives cellular inflammation, the root cause of all chronic degenerative disease, arthritis, heart disease. Um, pneumonia, everything, high blood pressure, diabetes. And then you cannot connect with your innate intelligence, which is only, um, only when you can engage the parasympathetic rest, digest, restore nervous system. So one is the gas, the other is the brake. And right now, if you were to watch television, uh, which is highly manipulated, or even even the mainstream social media, the narrative is be afraid, uh, the cases are up, and you and I both know the PCR test is worthless. So the cases are up, which means nothing, but that scares people again. And then they keep watching the television 
to see what they need to do to stay safe. And if you were to follow the mainstream authorities, the only thing you can do to stay safe is stay huddled in your home, spraying yourself with anti-disinfectant, never see anybody, and wear a mask at all times. Now, you and I know that all of that brings up the second law of thermodynamics, which, which Zach Bush talks about, and that is when you put a barrier between yourself and the natural world, you create chaos. So we have all these people with mask mouth, acne all over their face, dental problems, breathing problems, pneumonia, because we have separated our respiratory system from the greater microbiome that's in the air. And then we've made people far more vulnerable by scaring them to death and locking them down so that at least in the States and probably in Australia as well, I have friends who have not seen their mother or father in care homes since March. This is a crime against humanity. And this is all, you know, this is all for, quote, keeping you safe. This, and then you remember the hashtag at the beginning, stay safe. I remember that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I think stay strong, stay sane, that would be better. But it's almost as though we have this, um, this war on the sensibilities of the innocence of humanity. And that's why the, cur- the current narrative, you need a flu jab, and then you need a COVID test, I mean, to, I mean, a COVID shot. If one were to look at the clinical trials so far from Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Inovia, those are very frightening clinical trials and they're on the healthiest people on the planet. You know, the healthiest 1%, nobody's obese, no one has high blood pressure, no one has diabetes. Um, and, and those people are having enormous side effects, including death and transverse myelitis. And for something with a 99.9% survival rate, you would have to really brainwash a population to get them to you know, sign up for that, would seem to me. But hey, they've done a good job already. I mean, we have mandated uh, 69 vaccines, 69 doses of 17 vaccines, in my home state, in the United States, also in New York, also in California, also in other states, we've mandated 69 doses of vaccines for all children if they want to go to nursery school starting at six months of age. So why, this is just an extension. And when I testified in our legislature against this vaccine mandate, because we clearly didn't need it, we had no, no, problem with, you know, the plague here. Um, I realized later that was a dress rehearsal for this. That, mm. that was astounding to me that that thing passed, but that is how effective the mainstream media and the so-called trusted sources, right? The World Health Organization, the CDC, the FDA, that, oh, they're your trusted sources. I have come to believe that everything you're told to trust is exactly the opposite. You know, I say that too, and people look at me weird, but I totally agree with you. Yeah. Oh, they look at you weird because they're in the dream spell. 
you know, what Sasha Stone, as the New Earth Project calls, the dream spell. And, and I think that's really true. I also, you know, I wrote a book a while back called Dodging Energy Vampires, an empath's guide to evading relationships that drain you and restoring your health and power. Well, I thought I was writing it for the woman or the man who's living with someone with a personality disorder, you know, like a narcissist, your everyday narcissist or borderline. I didn't realize that it was predictive programming for how we would all be gaslighted by the mainstream um, health sources. Uh, Let me just talk a little bit about cognitive dissonance because that's what we're in the middle of. People look at you like you're weird. But the truth is you're seeing it clearly. I'm seeing it clearly. They aren't. And back in 1957, Leon Festinger published a book called A Theory of Cognitive Dissonance that put forth the theory that we humans seek consistency in our beliefs and attitudes in any situation where two cognitions, two ways of thinking, beliefs really, are inconsistent. And the theory also states that a powerful motive to maintain cognitive consistency can give rise to irrational and sometimes maladaptive behavior, which is you want to believe that your public health authorities have your best interest in mind, you see. So we all hold hold many beliefs about the world and ourselves, and when they clash, this results in tension that is known as cognitive dissonance, and over time, cognitive dissonance in and of itself produces chronically high cortisol levels in the body and subsequent chronic inflammation. And when I was doing the research for this book, Sandra Brown, who wrote a book called Women Who Love Psychopaths, told me that in her retreats, 70% of the women who've been living with narcissists, people who gaslight them, oh no, I love you. I've told you, you know, I don't know what your pro- what your problem is. You know I'm doing this just for you and your safety. She found that 70% of her people had autoimmune diseases in her retreats. And these are CEOs, doctors, lawyers, you know, so there's a bunch of us healers like you, like me, who go into this because we really, really, really believe that everyone is good at heart and that they only hurt other people because they were hurt in childhood. This is the big lie (laughs) that I finally had to come to grips (laughs) with. There are people who really do not have your best interest at heart. And um, George, I can't remember his last name, but he wrote In Sheep's Clothing, wonderful researcher on this. And uh, he said, you got to think about a cat with a mouse. The cat gets really excited when they are killing the mouse. And we've all seen that. And it's kind of, you see your, your wonderful little tabby attacking the mouse and getting all excited and turning into, you know, what looks like a demon from the mouse's perspective. Mm. And said, That's what happens to someone with a personality disorder when they're playing you. They, they are not thinking, they, they lack empathy. And I think we need to look at these global public health authorities like Bill Gates. Uh, they lack empathy. If you had empathy, how could you ever promulgate policies that put masks on two-year-olds, that put masks on, on uh, 
high school athletes playing football or soccer or whatever, or basketball, because that's what they've done here in our state, how would you ever promulgate a public health policy that doesn't allow you to be with your aging mother as she is dying? How could you do that? You could only do it if you had no human empathy. And so we all must, I think it is our empathy and our innocence, and then ultimately our outrage that we have allowed this to happen and that we have gone along like lambs to slaughter. And quite frankly, I do believe that there are going to be many, many people who are more comfortable being a lamb going to slaughter than to be like you and I and stick our necks out and say, we're not having it. We are not having it. And I was born to stand up for this. You know, it doesn't, you don't have anything to gain by talking to me. You have everything to lose in the current situation, but you're doing it anyway. And and why is that? I mean, just tell me, what is it inside you that allows you to do this? Well, I know what the outcome is if we all speak our truth and it turns out the way that we want it to. I know that it's going to be a beneficial outcome, but if we don't stand up and say something, the alternative is not so good. I, I see a very dark future ahead of us if people don't stand up and, and speak their truth. That's exactly what I see. Exactly what I see. And I also, it, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? You and I are both absolute optimists. I know it's going to turn out okay, but I also know that I have to do everything in my power now. That the, both things are true, even though they're paradoxically opposed. Oh, well, let's just sit back and sing Kumbaya and, it'll all, and we'll meditate and it will all be okay. And I do believe, by the way, there are some people who that's what they're supposed to do. Like, you know, just raise their vibration. And with the quantum field, the collective, that they will be part of the solution. There are, there are people who are not born to hold the sword of truth, to be warriors. You and I are not those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think someone's got to do it. And, um, you know, there's people like um, Dr. Tom Cowan. I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of his work. I but- certainly am. I have his book right in front of me, The Contagion Myth, Why Viruses, Including Coronavirus, Are Not the Cause of Disease. And he's also written, you know, it was a funny thing, when I was about to testify before our legislature about the vaccine mandates, his book on immunity um, was something that I handed to one of the legislators because I was so naive I actually thought it would make a difference. Well, Mm. why don't I just give these legislators the truth? And, you know, that'll take care of it. Uh, Yeah. No, (laughs) that didn't take care of it. So his work has been uh, incredible. The other thing that's interesting is when I first ordered the contagion myth when it just came out, uh, I think Amazon banned it for a while. I think you can get it now. But uh, for a while there, they, they didn't want you to have it because we are in we're in a, an era now of um, 
Kristallnacht, you know, which was the night that the uh, Nazis came and burned all the books. But now it's global, you know, that big tech thinks they're going to be able to burn all the books. Do you know Fahrenheit 451? I think it's Fahrenheit 451. Uh, yes. That amazing novel was the um, Fahrenheit was the temperature at which paper burned. That book ah. was about burning books. Yeah, I didn't realize that. That was interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That whole the story is astounding, and apparently um, the author hung out in the uh, public library in L.A. and um, you know, that's where he got all of his ideas. So <laughs> incredible. Isn't it? Well, and it is what it is what's happening. And, and you're getting people like um, Tom Cowan coming out, producing the, these amazing books like the contagion myth, um, which they censor. And I think it makes people want it even more, but I was actually listening to a podcast with Tom Cowan last night, actually. And he said that he's put up a hundred thousand us dollars. So $50,000 for anyone that can show the coronavirus has been isolated and then he'll give someone else 50 or the same person $50,000 if they can show that it causes disease in an animal or a human. So in your medical opinion, has the coronavirus been isolated? You know, I can't figure it out. I know some SARS viruses have been isolated, but I'm, I'm not sure. I am literally, I'm not sure. I've listened to Dr. Andrew Kaufman saying that it hasn't been. And then two different investigative journalists, one, um, Jeremy Hammond, who says that it has been isolated, and uh, someone else who says it hasn't. I think that I would go along with Thomas Cowan. You know, if I were asked, if I had to choose, I'd go with, with Thomas. It's interesting to me. Though, in a way, even if it has been, one of the things in the introduction to his book that I found fascinating, um, he was talking about that the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, right? And he said, this is the deadly, deadliest example of contagion in recent history. Doctors struggled to explain the worldwide reach of the illness. It sickened an estimated five hundred million people, about one third of the planet's population, and killed between 20 to 50 million people. It seemed to appear spontaneously in different parts of the world, striking the young and healthy, including many American servicemen. Some communities shut down schools, businesses, theaters, people were ordered to wear masks, refrain from shaking hands to stop the contagion. But was it contagious? Health officials in those days believed that the cause of the Spanish flu was a microorganism called Pfeiffer's bacillus, and they were interested in the question of how the organism could spread so quickly. To answer that question, and here we go, doctors from the U.S. Public Health Service tried to infect 100 healthy volunteers between the ages of 18 and 25 by collecting mucus secretions from noses, throats, and upper respiratory tracts of those who were sick. They transferred these secretions to the noses, mouths, and lungs of the volunteers, but not one of them succumbed. Blood of sick donors was injected into the blood of the volunteers, but they remained stubbornly healthy. Finally, 
They instructed those afflicted to breathe and cough over the healthy volunteers, but the results were the same. The Spanish flu was not contagious, and physicians could attach no blame to the accused bacterium. Whoa, right? Huge. Oh, huge. And And that wasn't the only... Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say that wasn't the only study. Um, When I heard him talking about this, I went hunting. I've been on a six-month hunt for the research, and I've found three trials that were done by the US Navy and the Public Health Service. All three could not prove that anyone would be infected from those methods. And I've also found an additional six papers by other researchers at the time. They all tried the same thing and they couldn't prove that it was contagious. Wow. And that's the Spanish flu. I mean, that isn't even this sort of evanescent Corona thing. And then you and I both know there's all these other kind of fishy things about like agenda 21 and, and their, their, um, preparedness thing in October of 2019, uh, the UN had the pandemic preparation, you know, and you could, you can kind of see that they were, they had a plan here to lead up to universal global vaccination. And so you have to use, you have to convince the public that this thing is deadly And, you know, we have study after study after study in the medical literature on the mind-body connection. Um, One that Bernie Siegel used to talk about is that there was a football stadium full of people, and they announced that the hot dogs were contaminated, that the hot dogs that they had just eaten were contaminated. And suddenly all these people started to throw up and get taken to the hospital with food poisoning. They later found out that that was not true. So just the suggestion, just the suggestion. And I'm finding now uh, a woman I interviewed with said that her daughter went out and ran six miles and came home and was feeling a little short of breath and was afraid, oh my God, do I have the virus? Because we have, the contagion is the fear. And, you know, I haven't been worried about this once. Neither has, by the way, my 95-year-old mother, who's visited by great-grandchildren and uh, my her grandchildren and everyone else in town. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody's washing their hands five times a day. And, you know, there's, there's just no fear whatsoever. So I think that we have a combination here of a population that has systematically had its health eroded by GMO crops, by killing off the healthy microorganisms in the soil, uh, by fast food that's not real food. And this has been going on since right after World War II. And now here we are. So it doesn't really take much. Though it does make you wonder, doesn't it? What caused that Spanish flu? And I think that uh, Cowan goes into that it was the beginning of the of the radio waves, that it was uh, some kind of electromagnetic field problem. And there's a whole chapter in here, electricity and disease. And that's fascinating to me. Yeah, there's so much that we don't um, understand about, excuse me, about contagion. 
Um, and you were saying earlier that the recovery rate for the virus is about 99.9%. So if a vaccine that is safe and effective comes out, it'd have to have like a 99.99% effectiveness rate for it to be of any benefit to us, right? Yeah, but you know, Darren Wells, this is just from an article that I read in the British Medical Journal, that the the testing, the clinical trials are not even addressing that. Like in other words, the, the trials are not set up to answer the question, will this save lives? Will this uh, keep people from getting uh, symptomatic? Isn't that fascinating? We don't, I saw that. You, you saw it, right? I saw I, I couldn't believe it. Right. I honestly couldn't believe what I was reading. Right. Right. So where are the masses of people who are saying this doesn't feel right? Again, I think that they're under a, a dream spell, addicted to their cell phones, televisions, uh, and so on. I mean, you know, for years and years and years, I had people come to see me and I would have to decide, is this somebody who's going to listen to me talk about nutrition? Is this someone who's willing to have a discussion about how biosymbolic the body is? You know, like this is a disease of the breast and therefore where in the world are you overgiving and under-receiving? Uh, you know, any, anything like that where the different chakras and a lot of my work has been about how our how the organs that identify us as female have been uh, systematically under attack by our own belief systems because we feel like we're not enough in, in a culture that has rewarded more masculine abilities and so on. And But I would always kind of have to intuitively figure out where someone was because the people who were a hundred percent all in like, okay, I really want to know what this is about. But, you know, the people for whom I could call the medical intuitive Carolyn Mace back then who was on speed dial and man, she would tell you what was really going on in terms of childhood beliefs, this kind of thing. Again, always, always, always bringing the patient back to the enormous power they had within to heal. That's the real deal, uh, that we can heal anything. I've, I've often followed the literature on near-death experience, and you find that those people, once they've had a near-death experience, they see the world very differently. Uh, 25% of them can no longer wear a watch. They stop it. Their electromagnetic field has changed they're no longer afraid of death, but they don't waste their life at all either. They tend to eat better. They tend to do all that stuff because they see the preciousness of life and how valuable it is. I was at a, a Buddhist retreat in Thailand a couple of years ago, and uh, they said there's a, this Buddhist belief that the chance to be in a human body the odds are like one hair on an ox compared to all the hairs on an ox that, you know, souls are lined up to come to earth because this is a place of such vast learning as a soul. So I think everyone who's here right now signed up 
they, you know, they signed up for the mm. for the great rebirth, and and a lot of people uh, probably left at the beginning of this whole thing because they said, uh, "I'm I'm not up for that." You know, um, the density of my belief system, the density of my body, is not ready for that. And that's okay. Cause I think in a way, I don't think anyone really dies. I think we just recycle. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm totally, everything you're saying, I'm completely resonating with. It's so um, refreshing to speak to someone um, like yourself around all of this. Um, one thing I did want to just touch on was that I know that you've got some concerns around some of the ingredients that are going to be in this shot that um, they're, trying to bring out to save us from right, right. The, the virus. So medically, what are your concerns around this? Okay. The delivery system, well, well, first of all, we've never made a successful mRNA shot. So this is called, uh, this kind of shot is called transfection. You take a bit of RNA and then you get it into the nucleus of our cells, and it changes the DNA. Now, they're going to do that in several ways. Uh, the delivery system is either a hydrogel or a microneedle array, or there's another thing using a mini electric current, and that's how they get the DNA changed in a GMO seed or plant. And I got this information originally from Dr. Carrie Madej, and all of her references are in many, many, many of her talks. The hydrogel or the microneedle array is going to bring into the body nanoparticles that are in uh, actual little robots that can track your biometric data. That would be your respiratory rate, your heart rate, whether you've had sex, whether you drank alcohol, whatever. And these will go, this biometric data will go to the cloud. And I actually saw a patent for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, 060606. I actually read the patent and it would hook this biometric data to cryptocurrency. And so that is my biggest concern. Um, also, there's likely to be non-human DNA within this shot, and that makes the human into a chimer, C-H-I-M-E-R. You and I both know that's someone who's got the DNA of a non-human. And here's the problem. Uh, there's a thing called pathogenic priming, and in every RNA shot that they've tried to make in animals, when they first give it to the animals, they have a, a robust antibody response. But when they come into uh, when they come into contact with that pathogen later, then their body turns on itself, and that's when they get the cytokine storm and get really, really sick. And that has happened with uh, any um, shot that they tried to make of this type, like the SARS uh, vaccine, the H1N1, 
did this kind of thing. And they've been trying for 17 years to make something successful. And I read a study that the, the clinic, the uh, informed consent for those who've been in the clinical trials did not include this particular possibility. And again, when you fast track something and you preclude animal studies, uh, then I'm very concerned. We know uh, in the, uh, I believe it was the Moderna trials, 80% of those on the, on the low dose got really sick and 100% of those on the high dose got really sick. And some of them uh, have stopped the clinical trials because of things like transverse myelitis. And transverse myelitis, you and I both know, is being paralyzed. Like this is not a tiny thing, folks. So even if you look, the, the flu vaccine, by the way, the flu shot, is the most, they've paid out the most in the VAERS, the vaccine uh, injury reporting system in the government. More has been paid out for flu vaccine injury than any other type. So again, as you said, if this has a 99.9% survival rate, and these are some of the things that have happened in the clinical trials, you would have to make a really, really, really strong case that this thing was going to be worth the risk. And I frankly don't see how this is anywhere near the risk of the vaccine itself. So and by the way, there's another thing uh, in there. There's a, a little dye that when you put a light on, this will, let's say in your wrist or wherever, or, you know, they've also got the biochip situation, but that you would need to have a light that was bioluminescent to determine whether in fact you'd had the shot. The patent for that is called luciferase. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't make it up. You really you can't couldn't make, make it stuff up. up. And I, you know, and I, I looked it up and I, I think I work with a group called MAMM.org, Millions Against Medical Mandates. And we have a lot of, of articles on our website. You know, we're just a bunch of scientific volunteers who want people to have this information. Um, you know, but we called that one medical tyranny. I just found out, by the way, that in the United States and maybe there in Australia as well, Ticketron, which is sort of this very large organization, like how you go to a big concert, um, has just said you won't be able to buy a ticket without this vaccine or evidence of this vaccine. Um, I think United Airlines is considering what they call an immunity passport. Uh, you won't be able to fly without this. And uh, these are things that if people can't see this, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and I think we're at that point now where the, the writing is on the wall, so to speak. And I think if you can't see what's happening, um, I, I don't know what to tell you. Right. And, and I believe that, you know, you and I, we've been at this, right? So we've really been at this in a big way since March when I knew something was wrong because when Dr. Solenko came out with his, uh, his protocol with HCQ and zinc and, you know, um, Zithromax and all that, and was having a hundred percent success rate 
And every when a doctor would come out on YouTube and they give you their protocol and everyone was doing well, or when we had, I think, Dr. Sales, the respiratory intensive care doc coming out and saying, this is not like anything I've seen. This is like high altitude pulmonary edema. These people just need oxygen. They don't need to be on a ventilator. And then we had all those nurses coming out saying, wait a minute, they're putting people on ventilators. They can't get them off. It's killing them. What are we doing? And then every single YouTube video like that got banned and censored immediately. And from that time till now, it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. Do you think it's going to get better? Are we heading towards um, a, a better society and a better world? Absolutely. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I think that we're, if you just look at the, the sort of the big portals, we just went through 1111 and Jason Shirka and Lori Ladd created this, um, they organized a, a big global meditation, which is very exciting to me because we know this is from the uh, Journal of Conflict Resolution. When you have a certain number of people meditating in, uh, in an area, then the number of violent crimes goes down, the number of accidents, the number of terrorist attacks. And they had, just during this time, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 11-11-2020, that portal, uh, they had thousands of people meditating all over the planet. And then this is just going to continue. They're going to do it every month. And when you get this many people meditating and in their hearts with uh, parasympathetic, sympathetic, beat to beat, balance restored, it changes the Schumann resonance of the earth herself. And there's enough people doing that 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 in and of itself is going to change the consciousness so that there won't be the receptor sites for darkness. So many, many, many of my friends, you know, we call it star seeds, light workers, whatever, are no longer worried about a vaccine. They're no longer worried about any of this because it's almost because it only takes one to three percent of people resonating at a higher frequency. And a high the lowest frequency, by the way, is fear and anger. Righteous anger is a pretty high frequency, you know, when the innocence of someone else is being threatened. So the truth is high frequency, but love and compassion, happiness, joy, those are all high frequency. And those emotions, those vibrations, those frequencies are far more powerful than the dark ones. The dark ones don't actually have any power. They have to get their power by sucking it out of people who are afraid. So what I tell people is your anger, your fear is food for the controllers. Stop feeding them. Stop feeding them. That means you got to stop watching the mainstream media because that will hook you in every time. So stop feeding them. Get together with like-minded people. And, you know, here's the fun part. I have met people like you, uh, like Sasha Stone in Bali, um, uh, Dolores Cahill in Ireland. We never knew each other. Now we know each other. We, we've created this giant global family of like-minded people all over the planet as we're all rising together. So the very tools that they, that they had set out to enslave us have, in fact, liberated us. And there's way more of us than there are of them. So I think that when we look at the winter solstice 
December 21st is a big conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. And I believe that, and I was listening to Magenta Pixie of the UK, and she said the 1111 portal was such that the darkness no longer has the power that it had. We've, we've broken through that. So that's what I choose to believe, and I'm still going to go and testify before our state legislature, by Zoom anyway, about um, all of this. You know, they want to change the language so that there's no longer a medical exemption or philosophical exemption for any healthcare worker for getting a flu shot. And they've changed the language so that it opens the door to a COVID vaccine. And uh, so a bunch of us are going to. Uh, at least, you know, get on the record. But what's being done by our governor right here is like she just proclaimed herself the emperor. And she started with an emergency lockdown order in March. And every 30 days, she renews it with no law, no other legislative support, nothing. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so it's not it's not based in medical science. No, no. But you see, the dream spell is many, many, many people actually believe she's keeping them safe. So there was just a hit piece on me in a local town that said, you know, my uh, my recommendations about, you know, vaccines and masking will will kill untold numbers of people. They'll do just oh. the opposite. <laughs> you know, and that's one of the things that really frustrates me is that there are many medical doctors, and I know some of these doctors who have a very similar opinion to yourself, but they're not saying anything because they're in fear of being struck off and not being allowed to practice anymore. And, you know, I think there is a silent majority and I'm just waiting and watching and hoping that the silent majority is going to come out in force and say no to all of this. Well, we will. And we, and we are. You know, we were just told now that we needed to wear a mask even outside in a parking lot when no one was there. And what I notice is nobody's doing it. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> you know, it's, it, and what I want to say, if someone comes up to me, I'll say, would you, you know, call the police, take me to jail. I mean, because, you know, it, it does have to get to the point where enough people just say, oh, we're not having it. I heard really good things about Manchester and Liverpool in England. And, you know, those have been rival towns for football. And, but, you know, they're coming together. And when you get the strength of those uh, towns coming together, and I think that's what we're going to see, where we all come together. Um, it doesn't matter what your political party is or any of those things. Um, that's where we're going. We're going to come together. I would say by next spring, it will be a different world. And the controllers will keep trying. They're not going to go down without a fight. It's always that way. And if you've ever been in a relationship with a narcissist, they have to win no matter what. They have to win. So we're just going to have to stay vigilant. But they don't have any power because they get their power from you. So like I said, stop feeding them. And when you go in to the doctor, you know, what they do now, if you go in with an adult, they bring out an array, you know, it's like a tray, a tea tray of pneumovax and shingles and, you know, whatever. Well, hello, Mr. Jones, 
<laughs> or, you know, your adult vaccines as though, you know, this is just standard. And I don't know if, if you've got this going on in Australia, but we do. Your, your rating as a physician is dependent on how many shots you give. The, the, I mean, it's like a Yelp rating. Oh, good. This is a, this is a person who gives, you know, eight vaccines at once. They must be a good doctor. Um, that's going, it will fall. It will fall because it must. It must. Well, I have to say thank you from the bottom of my heart um, because you're a true beacon of light and hope for millions, if not tens of millions of people around the world at the moment. And I know that it must be very hard for you to um, speak out and speak the truth, but I applaud you for doing that. So um, thank you for everything that you're doing. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity. If there's anything that you would like to say that um, you haven't already covered off um, already in the, in the last hour um, before we wrap up the um, podcast today, I know you've got a lot to do. So yeah. Any, any final thoughts? Yes. What I would say to people is please understand your power as a natural born sovereign human being. This is a protected class by God and the universe. And you have forgotten how much power you have. You are here on purpose. This is not a mistake. You are part of the great awakening. You would not be listening to this if you weren't. So take heart, listen, spread the word, we are rising all over the planet and we are going to win. And when we win, we are going to embrace as our brothers and sisters, all of those who've spent the last six months fighting against us. <laughs> very, very wise words, um, Dr. Northrup. Great. Uh, now f- for, Anyone who is listening that wants to find out more about you or get access to some of the amazing books that you've written, um, where can they find you? What's your website? How do they get access to your books? Yes, Dr. Northrup, N-O-R-T-H-R-U-P dot com. And everything's on the website and the books are available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And easy, easy to get stuff. The books are available in Audible. I have recorded them myself. Um, my favorite one is Goddesses Never Age, which is how a woman, let's say over the age of 45, takes back her power to have a wonderful life. Don't believe everything they've told you. It gets better. <laughs> and even, you know, even in this, and also remember, the light is streaming in now. It's streaming in. The vibration mm. is getting higher and higher. And sleep as much as you possibly can because you, you're going to need it as your body's going through this ascension process. Amazing stuff. Um, it, it's been so wonderful talking to you, Dr. Northrup. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you speaking the truth and spreading the word to um, clinicians in Australia. And I actually hope that clinicians from all across the world um, heed your message. So thank you once again. 
and um, hopefully we can have another another discussion maybe early in the year when uh, there's been some more more developments in um, <laughs> all the craziness going on right. in this world. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Christian Northrup. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.